do we really care about the Northeast? Particularly when three of its smallest states or three of India's smallest states are going to the polls. Election Commission just announced the election sh schedule for Tripura, Nagaland and Meghalaya. Together, these account for five seats in Lok Sabha, right? So should you really bother? Together, these also add up to exactly, and this is estimated because we haven't had a census in 2011, an estimated one crore people. I'm making a very generous estimate. So say about four, four million for Tripura, 40 lakh for Tripura. Nagaland is about 2.2, 2.1, 2.2 million. Meghalaya, 3.8 million. So a total of 10 billion, that's one crore people. A total population, about a half of Mumbai and about 40% of Delhi or less than 40% of Delhi. Three states, 60 seats each in its assembly. Why should we really bother about this? Why are we listening to, why do I hope that many of you, in fact, a lot of you will listen to an episode of Cut the Clutter on this. One, because I know that viewers, readers of the print are particularly enlightened ones, enlightened, well-read, aware, questioning. So I trust you with that. And second, if you do not understand the Northeast, then we are bound to make mistakes because it's true that you and I, in most cases, are not making any decisions, but public opinion is what matters. So Delhi is very far from the Northeast. North or Northeast is very far, far from Delhi and Northeast suffers from an out of sight, out of mind syndrome in Delhi. So it's important that at, at the popular level, there is awareness. So here is a fact. The fact is that these three states will now go to the polls. Each one of these states is fascinating because, because the Northeast itself is just a, just a fascinating tapestry of ethnicity, language, religion, identity, geography, borders, geostrategic locations, all kinds of things. You have borders, you have states in the Northeast, if you include Sikkim, sharing borders with China, Bhutan, Bangladesh, Myanmar, so on and so forth. So these are Nepal, these are very critically located small states. There's a big one in the middle, that is Assam. So, so the three states that are going to the polls right now, Tripura, Nagala and Beghalaya, each one has a peculiar political story. And once you throw away that mental block of, oh, this one only sends two MPs to Lok Sabha, one MP to Lok Sabha, once you throw away that mental block, you will see how fascinating these are and how complex these are. Each one has the complexities of a large Hindi heartland state or maybe a large state in the south because these are states with real people and real people with real identities. Most importantly, real diversity within the states as well. So as we look at the three states, I'll give you a little summary of the, what the stakes are and then I'll go state by state. So, so, so to summarize, Tripura BJP won fair and square in 2018, but a majority of its own. It also had a partner, a tribal party. Tribe, tribals in, in, in Tripura are mostly Hindu, barring a few Buddhists and very few Christians. But a large majority of the tribals are Hindus. So the BJP and a tribal group, that is IPFT, they formed a coalition and they got 43 seats. 43 in a house of 60 is as good as it gets. And the BJP defeated its sharpest ideological rival. That is the left front. 
the left front was defeated after 25 years in Tripura. Although they had not done so badly, they had a particularly popular and a good chief minister. That's a comment from me, an opinion from me. I knew Manik Sarkar well. I interviewed him on Walk the Talk for NDTV. I interacted with him. He worked closely with Delke Advani when he was chief minister to end Armed Forces Special Powers Act in Tripura. And he did that by taking it away, by taking it away, by lifting it in his state police station by police station. So it was done sort of homeopathically in small doses. Wise man, but lost elections. His party or his front got 16 seats. BJP got 35 seats. Although the vote gap between them wasn't so much, BJP got 43.59% vote and got 35 seats. Left front got 42.22% votes and got 16 seats. And IPFT, the tribal party, which was an ally of the BJP, got 7.37% of the vote and got 8 seats, right? Now BJP is fighting there to retain power. In the foreseeable future, this seems to be the only state other than Assam that the BJP can win by itself in the Northeast because all other states either have tribal majorities, large tribal majorities, Meghalaya, Mizoram, 90%, 85% tribal majority, Nagaland like that or or they are mostly christian it is it is in tripura that bjp has a large enough number of hindu voters and these are bengali hindus once again for the bjp it's important because they want bengali hindus to vote for them in west bengal as well and there is there is some there is some kinship between bengalis of tripura bengali hindus of tripura if not all kinship there is some kinship but if not all kinship there are also a lot of other similarities because in Tripura, as, as in West Bengal, the Bengali Hindus had voted predominantly for the left front for almost three decades. This was again a guard, a fortress of the left. And the BJP thinks they defeated the left there and they cannot lose that state again. So they are desperate. Also, their party has had trouble there because the person, the leader who they made chief minister first, he, they had to remove him. And now they have a new leader. You will see the pictures and their names on the screen. Now, Tripura, BJP thinks it can rule on its own. The other states, it gets by way of a leverage buyout. Whoever gets elected in Nagaland, whoever comes to power, finds it more convenient to be a partner of the BJP, to be in NDA or to get formally hitched with the BJP, which is the situation right now also with the outgoing government. Similarly, in Meghalaya, although Meghalaya gets a bit more complicated. In Meghalaya also, in the last election, Congress has actually got the highest number of seats. Congress got 21 and National People's Party, that is the Sangma family's party, they got 19. So one was shot by 9, the other shot by 11. And who won? The side that was shot by 11. Why? Because they, because they hitched a ride with the BJP and BJP then came in and made sure there was a sort of a kind of quick Operation Kamal. Although these people did not come to the BJP, but they came to a BJP ally and a government was formed there. Right now, right now the situation is that the two parties are estranged. So NPP has broken away from the BJP. It's a very funny story. So Bernard Marak, who was vice president of the BJP, he was arrested by the NPP government on charges of running a brothel from his home and also for being allegedly linked to militants, terrorists, etc., etc. And yet the BJP continues to have a cabinet minister 
in the Sangma cabinet, in the NPP cabinet. At the, at the same time, NPP has now said that they are not going to contest this election in partnership with the BJP. BJP, by the way, has two MLAs in Meghalaya that they will not contest with BJP. But you know what? Once elections take place and if they have enough numbers, chances are they will again align with the BJP because then, then, then gains in being aligned with the BJP are great. At election time, it's a liability in a predominantly Christian state. That's what the Sangma siblings, children of late Purno Sangma, that's what they understand about politics and that's why they'd rather have an alliance, if at all they need it, after the elections or even if they don't need the BJP's numbers, they will still be aligned with the NDA in some way because that makes it that much more convenient for them. Now, Tripura, coming back to Tripura, 2018, BJP told you ended 25 years of the left rule. <clears throat> the left had given formidable chief ministers, Nripen Chakravarti, Dashrath Dev Burma, Manik Sarkar, swept by the wayside. 65% of the vote in Tripura is Bengali, a lot of it, most of it is Hindu. Muslims in Tripura are just about 8%. So, unlike say in Assam, which has a 33%, about 33% Muslim population, we have to talk, we have to toss all these numbers with approximations now, simply because we haven't had a census after 2011. But, but the fact is that Tripura is not as polarized as any other state which has a larger or more visible Muslim majority. What the BJP did was, they got most of the Bengali Hindus who used to vote for the Congress party in the past to vote for it. So Congress vote in Tripura shifted lock, stock and barrel to the BJP and that's how they got to that number of 43% or so vote. The left kept most of its vote, which also included the Muslim vote and a lot of the tribal vote. Not too much, but some of the tribal vote, quite a bit of the tribal vote went to the BJP because they were aligned with the IPFT. Now, when I told you that each one of these states is as fascinated as any state, say in the Hindi heartland or the south or the west or anywhere, I don't say it lightly. Look at the challenge the BJP faces. They like polarization, they benefit from polarization, polarization does take place. But yet, within that, there are complexities in the Northeast that don't exist anywhere. Look at the CAA question, CAA-NRC question. In Assam, in Assam, the situation is that the Assamese Hindus, who are a majority, they are afraid that in the course of time, they will become a minority or they will lose political power or their political power will diminish if more and more people from Bangladesh keep coming in or if people who came in from Bangladesh in the past after 1971, that is the cutoff date. After 1971, if they continue to be on the voters' lists, then the Assamese population, particularly Assamese Hindus, there are Assamia Muslims as well. And in many ways, Assamia Hindus and Assamia Muslims have agreement over this, that they do not want these people who had come from East Pakistan to have their voting rights because they think in too many constituencies they are outnumbered. So they like the NRC situation that okay, NRC will now identify those who cannot be confirmed to be Indians. Fair enough. But then central government brought in CAA. What CAA said was that we can now give Indian citizenship to somebody proven to be a foreigner as long as the person is a Hindu who came in from specific neighboring countries, including Pakistan and Bangladesh. Now, once you say that, 
it means that Hindus will now be, give, be given full citizenship and the right to vote and allowed to live there. Muslims, even if they are not expelled, they will lose their right to vote. So they will, to that extent, will not be full citizens. At the same time, from the point of view of the Assamese, Brahmaputra Valley people, they will not be exercising undeserved, quote-unquote, undeserved power over their electoral politics. So when the center brought in CAA, then people in Assam were angry and they were protests. They were angry because they thought that, look, we wanted all foreigners out of our voters' lists. We were not targeting only the Muslims. Why should we accept Hindu foreigners? That was the view there. In Tripura, for example, population of Tripura went up until 1941. Tripura had a tribal majority. Tribals were more than 60% of Tripura's population. By 1948, tribals became 48%. They became a minority. Why? Because a lot of refugees came from East Pakistan. And who are these refugees? They are Hindus. So after 1948, the percentage of tribals became 48%. So they were a minority, but a minority by a small, by a small gap. 1971 war and the events leading up to the war and those massive atrocities that the Pakistani army unleashed in East Pakistan, particularly on the minorities, on the Hindus, that caused one more exodus. So again, hordes of Hindus came in from East Pakistan into Tripura. Many of them never went back. And that's when tribal population in Tripura became 30%. So Tripuris, Tripuri tribals, the indig indigenous people in Assam look at the CAA and RC situation in one way. The indigenous people in Tripura look at CAA and NRC people in an exactly opposite way. For them, CAA, which gives citizenship to Hindu Bengalis who came in after 1971, that reaffirms the minority status and a minority status by a long distance for the tribal populations. On the other hand, on the other hand, the BJP is promising CAA to the Hindus of Tripura to say, look, with CAA, you will stay on. You will not have to worry about your citizenship or questions being asked on your, on your citizenship, even if there is an NRC. The same people is ma making native people of Assam and Tripura angry, but the BJP needs this. The BJP needs this to continue to get its majority vote in Tripura. So while in Assam, they're talking about driving away the foreigners or disenfranchising the foreigners, in Tripura, they're talking about affirming the status, the Indian citizenship status of people who otherwise in an NR, NRC exercise might be defined as foreigners. So that is a complicated enough situation. So complicated, I've struggled a bit to explain it to you. The other tribal party called Tipra Motha. Tipra, T-I-P-R-A, stands for Tripura Indigenous Peoples Regional Alliance. Tipra was founded by Pradyot Dev Burman. Pradyot Dev Burman is the prince or the heir of the princely state of Tripura, used to be in the Congress, left the Congress, set up his own party. Again, to further complicate this, his party, Tipra and IPFT, they are now dis discussing an alliance. If an alliance happens there, then most of the tribal votes will go there, which will be a setback in a way to everybody, but much more to the BJP. So that is one more complication. What are the differences between what Pradeo De Burman's Tipra wants and what IPFT wants. IPFT wants a state for tribals of Tripura carved out of Tripura. 
Tripura, on the other hand, is more ambitious. They want a state for Tripuri tribes, not just from Tripura, but also Tripuri tribes who live in Assam, adjoining areas of Assam, and say Mizoram, etc., etc. So, so these complexities exist in a very small state. Now, tribal seats matter in that state because out of 60 seats, 20 are reserved for scheduled tribes. Besides that, also there are tribals living elsewhere. They also influence the outcome of other seats. Now come to Nagaland. Nagaland is another peculiar state, one of a kind in the country. It's a state which is opposition mukt. So see the story that we had done some time back on how Nagaland has become opposition mukt. In Nagaland, one party won a larger number of seats. It had an opposition, that is NPF, Naga People's Front. Naga People's Front lost a bunch of people who defected to the ruling party, that is NDPP, Nationalist Democratic Progressive Party. And then whoever was left also then joined the ruling party and BJP is an alliance with them. Now, however, NPF, the former ruling party, which was now in the opposition, which then decided to support the ruling party, that is NDPP, they have decided to contest by themselves. So this election has become a little more interesting. For us to understand this a little bit better, I have to give you a little bit, a very concise history of what's happened, where we, how we have reached where we are. In, in 2002, Nifu Ryu, who later became chief minister, is an MP now, he left Congress and joined NPF. Then he aligned with BJP through George Fernandez. BJP became junior partner in the Ryu government in Nagaland. Ryu was then chief minister. Weeks before 2018 elections, Ryu quit NPF. He protested the fact that his party, NPF, had severed its relations with the BJP. So he'd rather stay with the BJP. So he left the BJP. 2018, BJP broke NPF, that is the party that Ryu left, and aligned with NDPP, which came to power with Ryu as their chief ministerial candidate. So Ryu became chief minister. Later, he resigned and he became a member of Lok Sabha. He contested Lok Sabha. Now, an election is taking place with all the MLAs in the outgoing assembly supporting the government. So maybe, hopefully, one thing we can be sure of is that at least to begin with, we'll get an assembly in Nagaland, which is not opposition-free or opposition-mukt. Also, BJP is trying to build its own support base in Nagaland. So they gave a Rajya Sabha ticket to their leader, woman leader in Nagaland. She was the head of the Maila unit of BJP. Fangnon Konyak. Fangnon Konyak in history is only the second Naga woman to become a member of parliament. In fact, no Naga woman has become a member of the state assembly since 1963. But Fangnon Konyak is only the second to become a member of parliament. She, she's come to Rajya Sabha. Earlier, there was earlier there was Rano Shaiza, Rano Shaiza, who in 1977 defeated the strongman of Nagaland, S.C. Jamir to win a Lok Sabha election. Rano Shaza, interesting story, she was the niece of Fizo, the founder of the Naga insurgency. She was married to Lungshim Shaiza, who was the brother of Yang Masha Shaiza, who became chief minister of Manipur. In fact, I knew them very well. I traveled with them. I interviewed them in the early 80s. In 1984, Yang Masha Shaiza was assassinated by NSCN because NSCN is the group that did not make peace. Rano Shaiza had joined the mainstream. She was a peacemaker. She also organized meetings between FISO and the Indian leaders, including Murarji Desai at one point. So NSCN had Suparis out for them. First, they killed Yang Masu Shaiza in 1984. Then they killed 
his brother and Rano's husband, Lungshim, in January of 1990. So she was the only other Naga woman to become a member of parliament. And finally, Meghale. Meghale is a simpler story or maybe less complicated story also because it's more recent. I told you earlier on it was 21 and 19. And BJP then enabled the side with 19. That is the Sangma family's party, NPP, to form a government in partnership with BJP. That partnership has now broken and let us see what happens. But an X factor has come into Meghale and that is Trinamool Congress. Trinamool Congress has come in and they've taken away almost all of Congress Party's MLAs. Congress Party, as we told you, had 21. Over time, it became 17 with some by-elections, etc., because Congress was not able to win. And then of these, 12 were taken away by TMC. 12 joined TMC, including, including Mukul Sangma, former chief minister under the Congress Party. So those 12 left and the remaining 5 also said they were now supporting the government. So right now, Congress doesn't exist in Meghale. So the question in Meghale would be, one, of course, who comes to power, does, does the Sangma family retain power? Who the challenger would be? Will the challenger be TMC or the Congress? Congress looks like a little bit like dead in the water right now. TMC is still seen predominantly as a Bengali party, which is not the best image to have in the Northeast. And the BJP will be waiting. Because BJP will be waiting with the belief that whoever wins, from their point of view, hopefully it won't be TMC or Congress or there won't be enough between TMC and Congress to combine and form a government. So whoever wins among the tribal parties, BJP will be able to once again use the same method that we keep telling you about all the time, leverage buyout.